Uh, well, good morning, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, we are continuing our uh, series on the Ten Commandments this morning. Uh, and as you know, we're looking at commandment number eight. So let me lead us in prayer uh, as we begin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your spirit through your word. Uh, and we pray that you speak to us now uh, through your word as we consider uh, your commandments. We pray that you open our eyes, that we might see Jesus, that we might love him, that we may obey him, uh, and that we might uh, keep your commandments from the heart. So we commit this time to you. Uh, asking for your spirit's work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's an old joke about this billionaire who uh, called his lawyer and his accountant to his deathbed. And he wanted them to stand on either side of him in his final hours. And they were pretty pleased to do that until he told them why. Like my Lord, he said, I want to die between two thieves. Well, Today, as, is, as I said before, we are looking at that commandment, do not steal. And that's part of the Ten Commandments God gave to his people Israel. Nearly 1,500 years before Christ, God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He had brought them to Mount Sinai, made a covenant with them. And in Exodus chapter 20 at Mount Sinai, God spoke these Ten Commandments from that mountain. There will be further elaboration and application of these commandments in the rest of the law of Moses, uh, in the rest of Exodus and uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Those Ten Commandments and their derivatives, they were part of the Old Covenant. They were not given directly to us. We're in the New Covenant. This is the old one. We're not under the law of Moses. We're under the law of Christ. But they do have application for us because the God who gave these commandments to his people Israel is the same God who is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his character is unchanging. The Old Covenant taught Israel explicitly how to love God and love neighbor. And the New Testament, New Covenant documents, show us how to do that in the New Testament times. Uh, but the New Testament also tells us that while we are not under the law, all Scripture is God-breathed, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, the old covenant law is still part of God's word for us. It has a role to show us how to love God and love neighbor. And so we need to hear God's commandments in the old covenant and apply them, not as Israelites, but as Christians in the new covenant who are guided by the Spirit through the word. And that's what we've been doing in our series so far. As we've looked at these Ten Commandments, we've seen that God wanted Israel to worship Him exclusively, to take no other gods apart from Him. That was the first commandment. He wanted them to avoid idolatry. They're not to make an image of Him or worship or bow down to an image of anything. It's the second commandment. In the third commandment, He warned them not to take His name in vain. In the fourth, to keep the Sabbath holy. The fifth was to honor their parents. The sixth and seventh were not to murder not to commit adultery. And now we've come to commandment number eight. The eighth commandment is stated very simply in Exodus 20, 15. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. Now, stealing is actually a very old sin. In a sense, it is part of that first sin. Now, the sin in Genesis 3 is complex, involves several sins, but, but stealing is certainly one of them. Adam and Eve ate the fruit that was not theirs to eat. And in that sense, they stole from God. 
God was so generous that he gave them so much, the fruit of any tree in the garden except that one. But they were not content with what God had given them and they wanted what he had not given. So instead they took what was not theirs to take and they ate it. And that is the heart of stealing, isn't it? Wanting something that does not belong to us or is not meant for us and then taking it for ourselves. It's linked to covetousness in the 10th commandment and it comes from a lack of contentment in God's provision for us. But it's the action that comes from those things in terms of actually taking the possession of someone else. You may recall that the Ten Commandments are expanded on in the rest of the Law of Moses and this commandment against theft is no exception. In Exodus 22 verse 1, which we read earlier, if a man steals an ox or sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five times for an ox, four times for a sheep. But in verse 4, if the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, that is, can be recovered and returned, whether it's ox or donkey or sheep, he only pays double. Likewise, in verse 7, if a thief is caught, he shall pay back double. So in the Old Testament law, the punishment for stealing property was repayment of property with penalty. Not, not, not cutting off hands or anything like that. For in the Old Testament law, things to do with relationships like murder and adultery, even relationships with parents, far more serious than property. Except for one kind of theft. Remember how we saw two weeks ago that murder is so serious because human beings are made in the image of God? Well, in the Old Testament, the most serious theft is that of human beings. Human trafficking is condemned in Exodus 21.16. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. So property theft was forbidden by the law, but the theft of human beings, made in God's image, was punishable by death. In the New Testament, stealing is prohibited as well. Uh, Paul cites the command in Romans 2 and Romans 13. Uh, in Luke 3, when the tax collectors come to be baptized by John, he tells them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. And when the soldiers come to him, he says, don't extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations and be content with your wages. In Titus 2.10, Christian slaves mustn't pilfer, but show good faith so to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. In 1 Peter 4.15, Peter says, it's fine to suffer as a Christian, but not as a murderer or thief or evildoer or meddler. If you suffer for doing those things, you should be ashamed. But there's no shame in suffering for Christ. And in Revelation 9, despite the many plagues God sent to warn the world to turn away from sin, we read this. He says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor did they give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts. Theft, together with all those other sins, will attract God's judgment on the world. But what about that worst kind of stealing in the Old Testament? Does that come up in the New? 
Well, indeed it does. 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10 gives a whole list of things that are not compatible with the gospel. Listen to what it says. The law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Now the word enslaver there, someone who sells slaves, including someone who kidnaps other people and sells them into slavery. And that is certainly contrary to sound doctrine. Now when we think about slavery, our minds often go to the many people who were enslaved in America in previous centuries and things like that, but actually modern day slavery still exists. And that's facilitated by human trafficking. Friends, human trafficking is a big problem, even in 21st century Malaysia. Sometimes foreign workers with debt bondage are sold for sexual mistreatment. Sometimes babies are taken away, sold for adoption, or young boys and girls are, are sold by their family for sexual or labor exploitation. Sometimes undocumented people like refugees and asylum seekers who are therefore vulnerable are subjected to physical and psychological abuse, forced to work long hours in hazardous and degrading conditions without pay. Recruitment agencies and illegal sub-agents sometimes impose high fees on workers, which means they are saddled with this debt bondage, cannot pay back, so they are under the control of the employers who will mistreat them. It can happen to domestic workers working in homes in our communities, or to foreign workers building our offices, growing our food, and it's a terrible evil in our country. Now we can't be involved individually in every issue, but as a body, we play a role. If you are burdened to do something about this, let us know on a Connect card, and I'll put you in touch with a couple of people in our church who work for a Christian organization trying to bring about change. But even if we are not directly involved in confronting this problem, we must certainly play no role in perpetuating it. But human theft is incompatible with the gospel. But there are also other forms of theft, aren't there? Corruption is a form of theft because resources that don't rightly belong to someone ends up in their pocket. Someone else, usually the public, ends up paying the price. That's a big problem in our country. In the corporate world, people hive large amounts of money from companies into other companies which they control through elaborate means. And that's stealing from the shareholders of the first company, isn't it? And of course, there's the simple robbery and theft that we find as a problem all around. No Christian should be involved in any of those things. Now, I doubt that there are many of us here who will snatch handbags or break into people's homes. I doubt there are any of us here who will hack into the bank's IT system and transfer money into our own accounts. But if we download pirated music or software or games from the internet, well, that's stealing as well, isn't it? If we photocopy our textbooks without permission, or we download illegal PDF copies, we're stealing from the publisher. If we cheat on our taxes by failing to declare taxable income, we're stealing from society. 
If we fail to pay our staff the proper benefits, we are stealing from those who work from us. If we purposely default on our loans, even though we can pay, we are stealing to those who lend to us. If we take office supplies home, and that's against company policy, stealing from our company. If we use work time to scroll on Facebook or play computer games or even do ministry, and we don't make it up, we're stealing from our employer. We eat food from the fridge at work and it's not ours to eat, we're stealing from our colleagues. We claim more overtime or travel allowance or other benefits than actually what we deserve. We're still stealing from our company. We take things from our hotel that we're not entitled to. We're stealing from the hotel. If we use someone else's Netflix or Disney Plus account, which we're not entitled to share with, we're, sharing, we're stealing from the corporation. If we advertise falsely, we're stealing from those who think that what we are selling is more valuable than what it is. So many different ways of taking what is not rightfully ours. And all of them don't fit with who we are now in Christ. Ephesians 4.28 The thief who comes to believe in Christ must no longer steal. But there is another way that we can break this commandment. In the Old Testament book of Malachi, God had brought his people back from exile. But they had once again turned away from him. And one of the ways they did that was by breaking this commandment. Listen to what God says to them in Malachi 3. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And the people of Israel were robbing God by not giving him the tithes that he was due. And so there was lack in the temple. Now we need to be careful here because we're not under the Old Testament law. We're not under a legal obligation to tithe. Right, there's no set amount that we need to give for God's work, and if we don't make that amount, then we are robbing God. We are to give to God, not legalistically, but from the heart. But that's actually a bigger obligation. Because we need to ask ourselves, what, what have we withheld from God in our hearts that rightfully belongs to Him? Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And in that context, what was Caesar's was the coin with Caesar's image on it. What is God's is us, with God's image in us. Our life belongs to God. He's our creator. In fact, our life belongs to God also because he's our redeemer. Jesus has bought us with his blood, so we are his twice over. Everything we are and everything we have belongs to him. And so we should live our lives to love Him and serve Him. So that in everything we do, how we use our time, how we use our money, how we relate to other people, how we work, how we leisure, how we rest, we should do it all for Him and His glory. There should not be any part of our lives that we withhold from Him. There cannot be any section of our life where we say, God, you don't come in here, don't, don't cut out this area. 
This is my bit. But to do that would be to rob him of what is rightfully his, which is every part of our life. Brothers and sisters, as we look at the Ten Commandments, even as we look at this one, we know we haven't kept them perfectly. Not even the commandment not to steal. Jesus says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It's all evidence of our sinful hearts. The law shows us our sinfulness. And it shows us that if we're going to be hoped to, uh, to be saved by our goodness and our obedience, we would never be able to do that. Can't even keep the command not to steal. The law shows us our need for our Savior. But here's the good news for thieves like you and me. Jesus is the Savior who saves thieves. When he died on the cross, he really did die between two thieves. One of them mocked Jesus because he didn't believe him. The other started mocking him, but then humbled himself and said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. If you are a thief of any sort, Please be like that second one, not the first one. Jesus can forgive that thief because, because he died for thieves. Jesus kept the law perfectly, never stole from anyone, gave himself for all. Loved the Father perfectly from the heart, loved his neighbor. But he died between two thieves as if he was a thief himself. He died a thief's death. He paid for the sin we inherited from Adam, that first theft in the garden. He paid for the ways that we have robbed God of what he deserves from us. He paid for each one of those smaller thefts that we thought was so petty, but actually would have landed us in hell for all eternity. He took our curse, our shame, our punishment, our failure to keep God's law on himself as he died on the cross, and by doing so, purchased our forgiveness and pardon. And then he rose again as king to give us a new life and a fresh start. The thief on the cross who repented received eternal life. But he didn't get a chance to live that new life. At least in this now. But we do. As part of the new covenant, God gives us his spirit that we might love him and obey him from the inside. The spirit who teaches us to love God and to love our neighbor. And it teaches us that, and that, that, that spirit teaches us that stealing is not love. The spirit says to the apostle Paul in Romans 13, which we read in our New Testament reading, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves fulfills the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in the word, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You know, we don't love our neighbor in order to be saved. It's a response to the salvation we have in Jesus. We love because God first loved us. 
And we will obey not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, because the spirit is at work in us. We give ourselves to God with all our hearts, even though imperfectly, but we will seek to do that. And that means when we come to obeying this commandment, it will go beyond just not stealing from others, but it will go to giving to others. Remember how I quoted Ephesians 4.28 just now? The verse continues, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. See, love goes beyond just not stealing from others, but to actually helping them. And there are two steps we see there, isn't it? Doing honest, hard work, and then being generous with those who are in genuine need. And so, honest, hard work and generosity to those who are truly in need, that is the opposite of stealing. And as New Testament Christians, that's what we need to cultivate. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan that we heard in our Gospel reading this morning? There were the thieves who hurt the man. There was the priest and Levite who ignored him. And then the Samaritan who helped him. If we love our neighbor, we will not rob him like the thieves. And that's as far as the law can go, isn't it? Like, Do not steal. But Jesus teaches us that's not enough. It's not enough to be like the Levite or the priest. They would never have robbed that man. But they didn't help him either. Jesus wants us to love, which goes beyond just not stealing from others, but showing mercy by lovingly, sacrificially helping those in genuine need, like he did for us. And so, brothers and sisters, do not steal. Where we have stolen, let us repent. Let's make reparation if necessary. Let us be content in God's provision for us. Let us seek to be kind and generous to those who are genuinely in need. And let us offer ourselves to God once again to love Him and serve Him with all of our lives. For we belong to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are yours. You created us. And when we sinned against you, you redeemed us with the blood of your Son. We are yours. Please help us to give you what we owe you and not to rob you in our lives. Please help us to love our neighbor as well. May we be people who steal nothing from others, but instead do good to them and to society for the honor of your name. And we ask this through Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.